Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Got some follow-up today, Brian. Okay. DeepMind has told Google that it has no idea how to make AI less toxic. Well, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Deep mind. The big honchos say, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they did some tests and had, uh, uh, basically this comes around to, you know, text creation, like, you know, GPT-3 and all that stuff. Yeah. And um, uh, it's NLP, na uh, natural language processing, right. not neuro-linguistic programming for you pickup artists out there, freaks. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, they're basically saying that... Uh, yeah, uh, we just don't know. <laughs> all right. So uh, yeah. hold on one second. So Google, which I think I think we can all agree is probably the furthest along in the AI development game, or at least, you know, they, they're certainly throwing the most money at it and all that sort of thing. They can't keep any ethicists on board for AI. And now... Oh, my... no, they're not. It's not that they can't keep them. They They... Kick them out. <laughs> yes, they kick them out. And now they're basically saying, we don't know how to fix this insanely bigoted system that we have created. Okay. I, I mean, I see those as two different issues, honestly. I mean, because just because the I'm just saying it's not going mean very that, well over there. <laughs> no, they don't really have a good track record when it comes to AI. <laughs> that's that's my point. That. It's just not going yeah. very well. <laughs> yes. Oh. You are the weakest link. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah okay well that's that's uh you know, in a perfect world uh you know one that i was running i would take a look at this information and say you know perhaps we should stop deploying and relying on this ai so much in the world but we don't do that do we let's think about how many billions of dollars they spent on that right right mm -hmm. to to replace humans Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. How many humans could they have hired for all those billions of dollars? Have they done the math on this? Have they, they actually run the numbers? They could have hired all the humans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Here's my favorite quote. AI may have a superhuman ability to generate toxic language, but like most bigots, it has no clue what the heck it's talking about. So AI is now <laughs> your drunk uncle at Thanksgiving. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Pretty much. Uh, and I and speaking of robots and uh, other things, um, so my my roommate is a real estate broker, and every now and again, I get jobs to go out and take photos of homes that go up on the MLS and things like that. So I know a little bit about the real estate market, and the way well, I know about real estate marketing. And so I, I went and I shot this house the other day. And instead of staging it, she was trying out a virtual staging company. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brian, you can see the pictures in here, the before and afters. Yep. And uh, those pictures cost $30 each. That's it. 30 bucks. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll put these in the show notes so you can it's see It's going to put staging companies out of business. Staging companies are dead. They're yep. dead. Because I, I was expecting, you know, something like Microsoft Paint <laughs> to come back. They look incredible, absolutely incredible. You could not, you, you could show me the after picture, and I would think that there is actual furniture in that place. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. I mean, it doesn't solve the problem of like when you actually 
you're not going to buy a house or an apartment without going to see it in person. So it doesn't really solve that problem. But I mean, why bother? Why bother now? It solves the problem of getting people because because the problem with staging. I always asked her. I'm like, why why do people stage a house? You know, she's like, people have no imagination. Yeah. So they see an empty room and they can't wrap their mind around what it would look like with furniture in it. And I'm like, okay, well, people are dumb. But I got it after some time, and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't know what to do with this room. And then I see what they did with it, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah. Because it can cost anywhere. I mean, some of these big houses, she sells these million-dollar houses, like $5, 10000000 million houses. It'll cost $30,000 a month to stage it. Yep. And all you need is to get somebody in the door. So you do the virtual staging, and that see, – because, you know, they just started opening up uh, showings here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people are just getting back to it now. And I saw this, and I'm like, man, this is crazy. Or even the if thing you do I have somebody show up in person, you just hand them an iPad and say, look, now you can scan through six different ways you could lay out this room. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And here's yep. the other thing. It, it's funny because in the old days, she would create a stack of flyers mm-hmm. to hand out at the showings. You can't do that with COVID anymore. So I'm like, uh, she's like, yeah, we can't do that. So, you know, we're just kind of stuck. I'm like, well, why don't you just make a QR code and have them download the PDF? And it was like I gave her the the blueprints to the wheel. She's like, <laughs> oh, my God, that is the most genius thing I've ever. I'm like, it's a QR code. People do it with menus all the time. She's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so now I'm now I'm on the hook for making fucking QR code flyers for every property. Yeah, you just gave does. yourself a new job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty much it i'm like oh great way to fucking go genius mm-hmm. um but people actually use it we we deployed one at uh a showing on uh sunday and people actually came and used it and uh the agent that we put there because i had him like i'm like tell me how many times people use these because i want to see if it's worth it for me to do it and he's like three quarters of the people actually used it but every single person that did it was under 30 if they were over 30 they had no idea what to do with it <laughs> Right. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty fun. But yeah, talk about uh, this is this is where automation is going to kill an industry. Right. Yeah, totally. See you later, staging companies. You're gone. Yep. yep. Uh, we were just bashing AI a little bit. And obviously, this is not AI in any way, shape or form. But uh, Microsoft's AI via Outlook and Office 365, now that I'm in an all PC environment for work and I'm doing all that sort of stuff, it's actually really good. Clippy like, has evolved. I'm impressed. Like it, I get basically, <laughs> I get a morning or actually, I, yeah, it comes in very early morning email from Microsoft that has, has gone through my Outlook email account and it gives me commitments and follow-ups and it's like super accurate. It know it like sorts through things and like, oh, should we put this in your calendar? Because you talked in this email about maybe setting up a meeting for next. It's good, man. I am so really? impressed. I'm really impressed. I, I'm shocked to say it. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Uh, I just put a link in the show notes now because uh, you were talking about being a Microsoft shop and I was looking mm-hmm. for a new PC laptop mm-hmm. and I was listening to This Week in Tech this week. Um, and apparently Cory Doctorow wrote about this too. It's called the Framework Laptop. Have you heard of this thing? Mm-mm. It's basically kind of a do-it-yourself laptop design where everything's kind of held together with magnets, but it's all replaceable. Talk about right to repair. This thing is the ultimate right to repair laptop. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty cool. You can even do a DIY edition where you just customize everything. Wow. Uh, check it out there. It's like, it's pretty cool and it looks nice. Yeah, I mean, I have like tried a the keyboard. 
It does. It it really does look like a Mac. Um, it's got a fingerprint scanner on it, the whole nine yards. But mm-hmm. like the high end version is uh, like two grand, but they start uh, at seven forty nine for the DIY version. Right. Um, but I was thinking about this. I, and I love how they do kind of use like a Mac on the homepage. Like the first one that you look at has kind of like a Mac Mojave desktop pattern on it. I'm like, <laughs> hmm, who are you trying to fool there, big boy? <laughs> but um, yeah, for the price, it looks pretty good. So if I had to get a, a PC laptop, I think I might try one of these. And it, even especially if you look at where they take the keyboard off, that totally looks like a MacBook Pro keyboard. The only thing that would give it away is the Windows key. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and we did make fun of this on a previous show, and I had to put it in follow up because I did actually try it. When White Claw came out with their new high alcohol version of their mm-hmm. uh, carbonated beverage, they called it Surge, right yes. in the middle of a pandemic surge. <laughs> I would think rather it get... would have been worse if it would have been Corona Surge. I would have I would have rather got COVID than have to actually drink an entire one of these. It is the most vile, toxic substance I have ever had. <laughs> and you're talking to a guy who loved White Claw for the first half of the the pandemic lockdown. You know, I I, I think maybe maybe I might be a little biased because if I even smell that stuff, I get kind of queasy now. But it tastes like you know like. Um, when you go to the liquor store, you have a different array of spirits. You have the Popov vodka, and then you have the Belvedere vodka. Mm-hmm. This is more of the Popov level of vodka, which you can get for like for $3 a gallon, and club soda. It is it is vile. It is disgusting. And oh my God. I, I would... So my, my review of White Claw Surge is... Uh, they should just call it White Claw Hurl. Because okay. if you drank a whole one, that's what you're going to do. In the news. Well, one of the things that everybody who's a bit bro has been worrying about has happened. China has put the lockdown on crypto and uh, turns out it didn't matter that much. Nope. Which is interesting. (laughs) Uh, It's very interesting that it didn't really move the needle in one way or the t'other. Um, I've been reading different reports on the different scale of whale uh, who are some are unloading and some are buying the mega whales are are gobbling up crypto like at, at an insane rate. And the quote unquote regular whales have been unloading it. So right. um, so the market is kind of stabilized on that. But like, you know, probably the Winklevi or the, the mega whales. So they're buying up as much of this crap as they can get. And uh, people are just dumping it in other other uh, realms. So, but I was just I was amazed. Ether, my ether that I bought for two hundred and fifty bucks is now down to two eleven. I just I, I'm keeping that little bucket because it's a really easy way for me to see how how much value I've gained or lost. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Um, how's your How's your crypto doing? Uh, same as always. It's uh, vacillates up and down because everything just seems to go up and then starts to come down again and then goes up. I didn't see much of a of anything with the news out of China either, which also surprised me. Um, you know, stable coins are coming. Uh, regulation is coming in the US. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of time. Uh, do I think it's a bad thing for the markets? No. I, I think it's a bad thing if you're trying to get rich quick and do pump and dump schemes and all that sort of shit. But, you know, it's going to just become a currency that 
is tracked like any other currency that you'll have to pay taxes on like any other currency. It's that's where it's going. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that the decentralized exchanges are, the, are like went through the roof during this. Mm-hmm. Those are more of the untrackable ones. Um, yeah, well, that's, you know, people people that are of the shiftier persuasion shifted their money to those. Right. Yeah, so it it I mean the fact that it didn't go below 40,000 I thought was very very interesting. I figured yeah. it would have dropped to like low 30s on that news and it barely blinked. I think it went down to like what 41. Yeah. So um yeah, that kind of shows that it might be a little bit more, you know, fault tolerant than we thought. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of money in it now. There's a lot of normal people that have bought crypto that aren't that aren't, uh, you know, bit bros anymore. So that has padded the market and made it more stable. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should have not shit on it so much when we were younger. Oh, no. All the reasons <laughs> we shat on it are still 100% viable. Oh, they're valid, but I'm just thinking maybe we should have fucking bought some back in the day. Yeah, we should have done saying. that. That's that's probably should have bought some of it while shitting on it. Yeah, I uh, mean, you know. yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a life lesson for us. It's like we can shit on things, but still like on the side, maybe dabble. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gambling money, like I always say. If you just use your use your Vegas gambling money and you're all right. So yep. uh in news, breaking news, plans to make an Instagram experience for under thirteens dubbed Instagram kids have been paused by Facebook. Facebook would like uh, to use the time to listen to parents, experts, policymakers, and regulators. Who have been telling them that that is a stupid, fucking horrible idea for over two years now. So yeah. what do you what you're gonna go back and re-listen to the conversations now? You're gonna hop on Clubhouse, listen to some shit? <laughs> what the fuck are you gonna do? We've already told you. Everybody has told you. Yeah. You even have your own research that came out from the Wall Street Journal last week that we talked about. You have your own research. Tell yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No. Worst company <laughs> ever. Worst. Uh, they really are. They ever. really are. It just continue every every week. It's something new. So there you go. They're they're finally saying they're going to scrap it. But in related news, R. Kelly will be launching his own startup aimed at underage kids. <laughs> Trapped in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, oh some God. good news coming out of California. California is making zero emission autonomous vehicles mandatory by twenty thirty. Okay, <laughs> <Autonomous> vehicles. <laughs> Can can we make? Uh, uh, we don't have autonomous vehicles yet. <laughs> so, yeah, so there we go. Oh God! Uh, yes, all, all flying cars must be green by the by the year twenty twenty two. What the fuck, Newsom? We gave you we, you you got to stay. Okay, stop look, doing stupid shit. To to be fair, he's already got an executive order that effectively bans the sale of new gasoline and diesel powered vehicles by twenty thirty five. I guess they're just setting it up to make sure that if you if we do roll these things out, if they do start to work, which they won't, they've got to be clean. So that's good. Great. Okay. <laughs> if. If a fictional tree falls in a fictional fucking forest, does anybody fictionally fucking care? No. And speaking of complete <laughs> fiction, Samsung hopes to copy and paste the brain to 3D chip networks. Oh, God. what uh, This pandemic has made people fucking crazy. I think people are just doing too many shrooms. That's it. They're just uh, doing well, too many shrooms. Micro, I, think that, I think we're seeing the, the long-term results of the micro-dosing in Silicon Valley. <laughs> That's what I well, think Samsung, we're starting to see. I, I mean, I don't know. Samsung is... Is technically Korean? Do do they have super mushrooms in Korea? I don't, I don't know because I think they I might. Mean, <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting research and development 
thing, but the fact that it's actually gotten like this huge press release out of it is ridiculous because this, this is gazillions of years away. This is this is at least 20 years <laughs> after the 20 years of 20 years of 20 years of autonomous vehicles and self-driving cars. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, and Barrett wrote in, cue the anti-vax QAnon freakouts. Apple Wallet update will allow digital COVID-19 vaccination card. And this says the latest release, iOS 15, was rolled out and allows you to store your verifiable vaccination and test results in your iPhone's health app. The company is also working on a feature that will allow your vaccination cards to be added to your Apple Wallet. This feature will be released in an iOS 15 update, they say. I'm a bit confused as I've had my vaccine card in my Apple Wallet since April when Same I got here. my second dose. So <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> that was well before iOS 15 or any soon-to-come update. Uh, I don't get it. I've had it in there in iOS 14. Yeah, me too. I'm very confused by this article. Yeah, mine comes from the the city of Los Angeles. It is the verified result. It shows you a QR code. QR it, code? It's yeah, in my Apple wallet. It is in my wallet. I can actually pull it up on my Apple Watch, too, in, in the previous version of the OS. But what the, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> I, I'm very, again, I, I don't understand at all. Uh, and Andy wrote in, just some drone news. Bird attacks on drones force Google to suspend home deliveries. Did you watch these? Yes. Ravens are attacking great. drones passing through their territory. Uh. Uh, what was once the purview of the eagles has now moved over to the ravens. Never yes. more. Never more deliveries. <laughs> So that was, I thought that was great. Uh, we kind of knew these kind of problems were going to happen, and here we are. And in our final little bit of news, William Shatner will boldly go into space with Bezos' blue origin. So this is not confirmed. This is a TMZ thing. But supposedly yeah. next month, uh, he will be going uh, up for a 15-minute joyride being filmed for a documentary. People are pointing out that that is the exact same day that he will have a brand new album dropping, Bill which is described Great. as an autobiographical journey in poetry and prose, music, spoken word, performance art, and philosophical exploration. Can he take all the copies with him to space and leave them there? <laughs> Please. Good. Chat in space. Oh, God. I, you know, this is one of those things where even if it's not true, now that the press is out there, I think they'll have to make it true. Yes, so, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah, because everybody wants to see Shatner in space. Come on, let's go. I, I do. Come on. Yeah, but they 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 have to open up the cameras this time. Not like last time. You know, they didn't show any of the video inside last time, or just a little snippet. If Shatner goes to space, I want that shit live streamed. I want him in the fucking uniform. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, that would be fun. <laughs> I would go on that one. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Mood. 420 celebrations come in all shapes and sizes, just like the many ways to enjoy your THC. Mood offers just the right buzz with their federally legal flower, gummies, vapes, and more, helping you find the perfect high. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA Flower, is a game-changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all Mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal, and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide-free. 
I tried several of their products from the uplifting energized to the mellow chill. And I must say, each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite? Definitely the creative strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and got me through my daily projects with ease. Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, Mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flour and convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy Mood's offerings. Celebrate 420 exactly how you want to with Mood. Get 20% off your first order plus a free THCA pre-roll at hellomood.com with promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com code GOG. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. On this show, we often discuss the vast amount of personal info floating around out there. We're talking home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. If you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're definitely not alone. That's why I need to tell you about Delete Me. It's been a game changer for me in protecting my personal information. As someone who's been bombarded with spam calls and phishing attempts, discovering Delete Me was like finding a magic shield. Here's a really frustrating fact. The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. With rising political tensions, your political views could expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence. Angry people fueled by their beliefs can access your data from data brokers that cover 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment, identity theft, or worse. But there's good news. Delete Me works tirelessly to safeguard your data. They scour the internet, finding and removing your personal information from some of the largest data brokers in the world. And they don't just do it once. They continuously monitor to ensure your info stays private. I signed up and provided details on what I wanted removed, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me updated with regular reports, showing me where my information was popping up and confirming when it was deleted. Seeing their commitment to protecting my privacy has truly been a relief. Now, here's something special for all of you. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and use promo code GOG at checkout. The only way to get that 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and enter code GOG at checkout. That's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. Today's episode is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network, also known as a VPN. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet service provider is storing your browsing data and many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access, or PIA, can help. PIA encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet service provider or network admin. And with servers in over 75 countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content around the world. PIA comes with an easy-to-use app and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, open-source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PCMag. If you sign up with PIA right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for GOG listeners by using our link, gog.show/vpn. You can get complete digital privacy for less than $2 a month 
and four extra months for free, which means only one buck ninety-eight cents a month and up to eighty-three percent off. That's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take PIA's thirty-day risk-free challenge. You can try it out for thirty days and see if you like it. If not, just return it for a full refund. So go to gog.show/vpn and try out the best VPN on the planet, completely risk-free. That's gog.show/vpn. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. Now, on this show, we talk a lot about how much of our personal info is out there. We're talking about home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. And if you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're not alone. That's why I want to tell you about Delete Me. It's a game changer for protecting your personal information. As someone who's been through the ringer with spam calls and phishing attempts, finding Delete Me felt like a breath of fresh air. Could your potential views expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence in this election year? The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. Angry individuals motivated by their political beliefs can now easily access personal details from data brokers for 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment and identity theft. Fortunately, you can safeguard your data with Delete Me. Delete Me scours the internet, finding and removing you and your family's personal data from hundreds of data broker websites. And they don't just do it once; they monitor your information to ensure that it stays private. I signed up and provided the specifics on what I wanted to go, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me in the loop with regular updates, showing exactly where my info was popping up and confirming when it was removed. Seeing how dedicated they are to protecting my privacy is a relief. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now available at a special discount for our listeners. Get twenty percent off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com/gog and use promo code GOG at checkout. The only way to get twenty percent off is to go to joindeleteme.com/gog and enter code GOG at checkout. One more time, that's J O I N D E L E T E M E dot com slash GOG with code GOG at checkout. Media Candy. I continued down my Disney rab uh, rabbit hole, and I watched the Imagineering Story, a six-part documentary about the history of Disneyland. Very cool and very interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um, but you know, that's me. Uh, I'm sex check education. It out. The Imagineers are amazing, yeah, dude. It's they it's uh, fascinating. Like I, it was one one of the most fun things I've watched recently. It was just so good. Do they cover those islands that they made in Long Beach? No, not specifically. I think oh. it gets a passing mention, but it doesn't delve too deep into it. They go into okay. building all the different parks, though. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I really want to see that. I'm a huge Imagineering fan. Yeah, it's good, 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 good stuff. Uh, Sex Education <laughs> Season 3 has dropped. <laughs> it's good, good, good stuff. Okay. <laughs> I'm fucking a little loopy, man. The weather's all changing right. here. It's getting strange. Uh, <laughs> Sex Education Season 3 has dropped. I, I love this show. I've watched two of the episodes of Season 3. It's continuing on with just the best humor and and just the feels and everything. It's so good. I cannot recommend right. it enough. Uh, then I was looking for something to watch, and this was thrown up in front of me because, you know, I've watched The Grand Tour and I've watched Mythbusters, so it makes sense. 
that the great escapists would come up. And this is the Tori Belechi from Mythbusters, Richard Hammond from the Grand Tour are dropped on an island and something happens. And I couldn't even make it through the first episode. This is the most awful piece of shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, my least favorite people. <laughs> I, I like them both. Well, Richard Hammond I like, but yeah. but I don't I like, like Tori Belechi. Uh, but you know what? Tori Belechi can't act. And if you no, think the grand, if you think any of the grand tour was scripted, all of this is scripted, and it's scripted stupid. Okay, scripted so it's stupid, <laughs> fucking horrible. <laughs> okay, uh, and Foundation has dropped on Apple Plus, and I have not watched any of it yet because one of the reviews that I found just I I, I don't think I can do it. Uh, this is from Gizmodo. They said Foundation could be filmed, and it still hasn't been. And the one no. <laughs> quote that I feel compelled to read, for people who know and are fans of Isaac Asimov and his work, I feel compelled to warn you that if you watch the show, you will see a scene so enraging that you will tear your TV in two with your bare hands. Then you'll realize how utterly unnecessary the scene was and tear it into four. That's good writing. Yeah, I don't know what <laughs> scene they're talking about, but... Uh, I'm not sure either, and I don't think I'm going to find out. So Yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. I mean, I so I couldn't get into the books i am going to try again at some point but i couldn't get into it mm -hmm. um so i watched the show with you know fairly you know a fairly clean brain mm -hmm. um yeah it sucked <laughs> that's about <laughs> as much as i can say about it it fucking sucked uh, everything a, is oh, orchestral music everywhere it's just I, like oh god i've heard it's it's beautiful and well shot and i i did speak to one friend of mine who is a big fan of the books as well as much as me and he said if you consider it as something foundation adjacent you might find it bearable but it is not foundation no no it's it's foundation-esque yeah. um yeah no i i i watched i powered through two episodes it is fairly painful I got to okay. say, fairly <laughs> painful. And I was going in clean. So right. I'm looking at this as just a sci-fi show. You know, it's not something that I was looking at as, uh, you know, whatever. Um, uh, what was the, uh, oh, that one show on HBO, something Wolves with oh, the androids. Yes, yes. yes that's Yeah, horrible. it's about as good as that. Ugh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, Brian, um, I, I hate, to, hate to say this one, but I saw Dune. Mm-hmm. Now, think about what we just said about foundation. Mm -hmm. 180 degrees. Okay. Fucking phenomenal. Oh, good. Oh, fucking good. phenomenal. I loved it. Abso-fucking-lutely loved it. The acting is great. The casting is great. The visuals are great. The music is great. It's even got orchestral music, but they did it right. Um, there's nothing about Dune that I did not love. So that's I awesome to hear. Well, Dune is doable. Foundation should never be made into anything. It's just not even possible. Um, Dune is doable, and I'm happy to hear that it is only the first half of the book. So, because doing the full book into one movie is, as David Lynch found out, impossible. Uh, so I, I'm I mean, very excited. I started with yeah, I started with David Lynch's like you know seven hour VHS version. You know, mm -hmm. Ward Bones, the first keyboardist from 311 that used to live with us. You remember that crazy fucker. Um, yep. He found it and brought it over and we watched it. And I liked it. I liked the really long version of it. Um, w the version I saw is two and a half hours long. And it basically gets them to the Fremen. And that's right. it. And yeah. uh, <laughs> Good. So okay. I'm just like, I'm like, I was pissed off because I'm like, I want to see the rest of it now, please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's so fucking good it's so good i, I mean i hope that uh i hope they 
they realize that and start shooting the the continuation immediately because you know we got we want the whole story. <laughs> yeah, they better be shooting already. God damn it! So I just I, I put that in here to uh, put your mind at ease that I think it's really fucking good. Okay. Uh, it's, Netflix has released the Sandman first look trailer. Um, so this is basically the beginning of the first comic. It looks great to me. I cannot wait. I am super excited about this, even though right now I'm listening to Act 2 of Sandman on Audible. I've got more Sandman than I know what to do with, and they're all going to be different, which is going to be confusing. So I don't know, but I'm happy. After 30 years, this shit's finally coming to life. Okay. Um, uh, I know you're not an anime fan, but uh, the Cowboy Bebop trailer, the live-action Cowboy Bebop, looks awesome. I was a huge <laughs> Cowboy Bebop fan, and I think they're going to do it justice. The, the casting looks great. Um, I'm super excited about this, and I'm especially super excited about this because I did not know it existed until two days ago. I didn't know they were making it. So. Okay, that's always exciting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the second season of The Witcher will be premiering on Netflix December 17th, and they have already announced that there will be a third season. And then blowing the entire Internet's mind, they also announced that they will be doing a kids and family series based on The Witcher, which is a bit odd for something that's loaded with sex, violence and colorful language. Did Facebook buy The Witcher? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or R. Kelly. I'm not sure which. <laughs> oh, God. I did log into Amazon the other night, and well, you got the great escapists. I got Goliath season four. Mm -hmm. um, season uh, Goliath is one of those shows where it's like I put it on, kind of pay attention to it. I like Billy Bob in it. I think his character's cool. It usually gets a little weird, metaphysically dumb fuckery in the middle of it. But there's another season, so which makes him probably again the highest paid person on Amazon. <laughs> Uh, remember yeah. that we saw that that pay yeah. scale <laughs> when he did season three and it was just like he got paid that much for that <laughs> damn <laughs> uh maybe you know what he's done he's he's done he, with uh, that vial of angelina blood that he got i, mean, I think he's cast a spell <laughs> perhaps yes <laughs> Perhaps. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. And so it is the uh, September 24th was the 30th anniversary of Nevermind by Nirvana. Mm -hmm. And so I went and I looked it up because I, I went to one of the very first shows when Nevermind came out because I was I, I was a big Bleach fan. I'm still a big Bleach fan. I like Bleach better than almost anything they've ever done. And I found the show that I went to on this website that it literally is just like what the internet was made for. It's called LiveNirvana.com. And they track every show that they ever did. They have the set lists. They have the schedule if they have it. All the, I mean, every detail that you could possibly have. They have the flyers in this case. They've got pictures from the show. Um, I can't see myself in this one, but I was right up front <laughs> and in the pit the whole time for this one. And I walked away from that show with one less contact than I came in with because I got kicked in the face. But it turns out the contact was stuck behind my eye. So that I got that back the next day, which was gross <laughs> as hell. But I also walked away with a quarter of the bass drum ring from the front and almost had my legs broken on that. I wish I would have kept that. I really wish I would have kept that. But it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. So I just thought that that was fun. But this website, oh, so good. That was just such a crazy time. I remember I went to see a band called Ned's Atomic Dustbin uh, mm. shortly after Nevermind came out. And we went to, we all drove down to 
Tijuana, Mexico, because you could drink oh legally God. <laughs> before you were 21 and saw Ned's Atomic Dustbin playing at Iguana's, famous venue down there that uh, we all went to all the time. And before the band came out, they played Smells Like Teen Spirit on the um, on the sound system, and people started moshing immediately to nah. song before a band came out because <laughs> everybody was like crazed about that, the, about Nirvana back then. Did you actually ever get to see Nirvana? Yeah, I saw them once. Uh, uh, the in utero tour actually. in utero okay yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. now because um i had thought that we had seen them two weeks before the the album came out because we were all surprised like when we when we were leaving they came out of the green room and they, they ran out the front door and right into this massive like hundred foot long limo <laughs> like oh <laughs> they got label money now uh but i saw them on october 12th so a couple right. weeks after but yeah. uh yeah, it's still, I mean, one of the best shows of my entire fucking life. And they played Negative Creep, and I lost my collective shit. <laughs> it was so <laughs> much fun. I got so beat up at that show. I was 20, so yeah. we could, you know, we could ha- hang in the pit back then and come out fairly unscathed. <laughs> but, yeah, history. Ups and doodads. Brian, fuck Spotify. Okay. I went to go sign back up because I wanted to watch some stuff on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the only murders in the building thing and a couple yep. other shows. And I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, pick my subscription back up where it was and then I'll get my Hulu again for free. No, they charged me for three months and did not give me Hulu. That might explain why my Hulu login hasn't worked recently. Yeah, they okay. it's gone. They All just right. cut it. No news, no nothing. If you're a student, you can get it. Hmm. But that's the only mention I have found anywhere. So, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, screw you, Hulu, Spotify, all, <laughs> all of you guys. Screw you guys. Yep. I'm going to Sweden. All right. <laughs> uh, I did find out that there are multiple timers in watchOS now. Woo! I used them Finally. almost immediately. Uh, perfect oh, for barbecue and multiple items. I had corn, sausages, and burgers all going at the same time, all needing uh, attention at different times. It's a dream come true. That's right. That's butcherbox.com slash GOG. That's right, butcherbox.com slash GOG. I got my box coming tomorrow, so I'm very excited. <laughs> no, <laughs> the, the multiple timers are awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it took him, what, uh, Watch OS 7 or whatever, 8, whatever uh, version eight. it's on now? Yeah. We're on 8. Okay. Yeah. It, not a hard thing to do, guys. <laughs> not a hard thing to do. Everybody else has had it. Thank you for finally doing it. But uh, anyway, um, so there's new news in the Apple Epic lawsuit, which I just mm-hmm. think is funny as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, Epic wanted back on the uh, the App Store for iOS. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get Fortnite back on there. And Apple says, slow your roll, my man. Slow your roll. <laughs> nah. We're going to wait till all the appeals are done. That's it. So years, it's going to take years for Fortnite to come back onto iOS. And all I'm saying is, what the fuck did you think was going to happen, Epic? Seriously? You thought that you were going to go after the biggest company in the world, poke the bear, and then they were going to play nice because they said they might? (laughs) I'm telling you right now, Tim Cook is a fucking gangster, and you guys got what you fucking deserved. (laughs) He is. That's That's a smart move on their part. Good on him. Yep. Yep. And uh, I I broke down and I had to buy an Apple TV 4K this week. Mm-hmm. Comes comes today that the the Roku app is so bad I cannot I cannot uh, resume after it stops. It just, just what, I love what? I love my Apple TVs. They work flawlessly almost all the time. 
Do you have the new 4K with the new remote? Yep. Oh, good. Okay. Do you like it? Yep. I should ask that first. Do you like <laughs> the remote? Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, they put a ring on it, so you know you can actually feel it in the dark now and know where all the buttons are. Yeah, that's what, that's what happens. You put a ring on it, you can feel it anytime you want. That's what they say. <laughs> that's what they say. Never, never really works out that way from experience. Ask any married man. <laughs> I have a headache. Go to bed. <laughs> oh, and uh, I because it came into sharp relief because I've been watching um, a lot of stuff on Discovery Plus because I signed back up for Discovery Plus through my Apple TV. And, and we're watching Billions on Showtime all through the Apple thing because it's easy to cancel, like I mentioned. And I found a new show, Brian, that I thought is just the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. We got an email about this. It's called Tiny Food Fight with mm -hmm. uh, Mamrie Hart and Darnell Ferguson. Okay. And... It looks like such a ridiculous concept. They literally make plates that are an inch wide mm -hmm. using tiny utensils in a tiny kitchen where the oven is powered by a little tea light full of sterno. It is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> it is. I mean, we started watching it. And we're like, okay, this is going to last five minutes. And we got through the whole thing because the hosts are funny. The contestants are funny. The, the the whole process is so unbelievably ridiculous <laughs> that it's just entertaining. So right. if you have Discovery Plus or you can get it on Discovery, I highly recommend checking out an episode of Tiny Food Fight. I mean, it really just, I'm even thinking about it now. It is so stupid, ridiculous. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, and I did get my iPad mini. All right. I am so glad to have this thing back in my life, Brian. I missed it so much. <laughs> it is uh it is like my my spouse who went off on a 7-year journey to Antarctica and finally came back after I thought she'd been dead and eaten by seals. Uh and now she's back in my life. Um I do have to say fuck the case. I got the Apple case. Mm -hmm. Um the smart cover. Yeah. Uh I the edges of on that thing are basically made with razor blades. So if you're holding it and trying to read on it, your um well for me my pinky finger basically just got eviscerated from it. So I took a Dremel to it. I have taken it outside. I have rubbed it on the concrete to try and soften it up and nothing is actually working so I just bought a different case. But don't waste your money on that okay. case. Um I did order uh paper like for it though. If the paper like uh, screen protector that makes the pencil actually feel like you're writing on paper, paper like is my my go to for any iPad. It's in pre-order now, so uh as soon as they're done they'll ship, but uh if you have an iPad and you use the pencil paper like uh paperlike.com amazing. So, so far I I love this thing like it's, you know, a family member. Uh, Mini is my favorite form factor. It is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, do you have the jelly scrolling problems that some people are, are reporting where uh, no. one side of the screen scrolls at a different rate than the other? Not at all. Huh? I have okay. got no Good. problems with this thing. Excellent. Yeah, I th I think that might be a hardware problem because I read on it all day. I'm scrolling incessantly because I've got, I mean, this is like my consumption device. I go through hundreds of articles a day in Reader. I'm I'm actually reading the new Darren Brown book on it in my Kindle. I have not noticed a single problem with scrolling at all. Very cool. At the library. So, Brian, a friend of mine, Jamie J, he uh, he wrote a book. Okay. Your friend wrote a book. 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, your friend wrote a book the other other week, so I thought, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? My friend wrote a book, so I'm going to throw it in here. It's called Quit Repeating Yourself, How Today's Leaders Are Using Systems and Processes to Grow Their Business the Right Way. Uh, Jamie runs Bottleneck.online, uh, so they are a distant assistant company. Not a virtual assistant, but a distant assistant. And I've worked with his you people You know who else for... has a distant assistant? Who? R. Kelly. <laughs> Uh, well, Jamie's are better. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've worked with his people for a long time, and they are phenomenal. And uh, they become part of your family. They d- they do it the right way. It's not just like you go from a pool of people. They match people with the companies that they're going to work for. And uh, um, it's it's a really cool business. And he finally wrote a book. So it's uh, it's a veteran-owned business. And uh, Jamie's a really cool guy. So go check out the book. Um, I'm sure it's fantastic. I just got my signed copy in the mail yesterday, so I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But uh, um, yeah, Quit Repeating Yourself by Jamie J. It's, uh, it's spelled Jaime. So I don't know why he goes by Jamie, but okay. I had a stepdad named Jaime. Who, he, he was the one that almost killed me on Christmas Eve with a, a golf club that we called the sheriff's on in Orlando, Florida, and he spent the night in jail. Yeah, so I've had got a long issue with people named Jaime, but that's why I call him Jamie. Weird and, things uh, are bubbling up in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm just man. Saying. Yep. Uh, I put this one in here for you. I haven't read it yet, but I did buy it this morning. The audio book, Brandon Sanderson's Skyward. Mm-hmm. So Brandon Sanderson wrote uh, one of our favorite series back in the day. And, uh, most of his stuff is all this fantasy crap, which I don't yeah. like. Mm-hmm. This is sci-fi. It's in space. So okay. okay. As long as there's a spaceship, man, you can write all the fantasy crap you want. As long as you just set it in space, I'm good. So uh, I'm going to check this one out, but I wanted to throw it out here. It's, yeah, it's called Skyward. There's two books out already, and he just released a short story. And that's how I found out about it, because it, Goodreads came today and said, Sunreach, Skyward 2.1 by Brandon Sanderson. I'm like, okay, Goodreads, uh, can I have a chat with you? Because uh, his first book came out in 2018, and I know I have followed Brandon on Goodreads probably since 2015 or 2016, and this is the first I'm hearing about it. So, Goodreads, uh, get your shit together, please. I think that ship has sailed. Moron of the week. Brian, you used to own a Mini, didn't you? I did. I love that car. You had a Countryman, right? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember because you came over and we put something in it that was that wouldn't fit in my friend's Hummer. You had so much space in that. Well, <laughs> Brian, I'm glad you don't have a Mini anymore because I don't know if you've seen what they have done with the turn signals on the new Mini. I looked at the article. <laughs> they put arrows on them that go the wrong way. Yeah. You, you have to see this. You click on the link in the show notes. Open it up and just watch the video because it is so unfucking believably stupid. I I almost have no words, but I do. But it's because it's unfucking believably stupid. It's it's dumb, and uh, you know I I love that mini so much that uh, we we have actually been talking about uh, selling the BMW because we live in an old sit old city that isn't exactly built for large cars like uh, our BMW X3. And getting another Mini, and I hope they fix this before that happens, because I cannot, in good conscience, buy a car that does this. What the f- I mean, can you, can you explain to me what, how this got through committee? Um, how did this get through committee? They only looked at the back of the car through a mirror. Brick-a-brick!
So, you know, we've talked a lot about that that one particular episode of The West Wing where they bring in the different projection of the map and, and they spend almost the entire episode being blown away by the fact that the world does not look <laughs> the way that we think that the world does. Yes, one of my favorite yes. episodes of The West Wing. I basically, the found, uh, I basically found an entire page full of maps that will blow your mind. And confuse you. I love it. Um, I love it that it's at this is why I'm single duck. <laughs> yeah. I, I no longer judge uh, domain names or where things are at on the web anymore because we could just do uh, 582 episodes on that. Uh, but so, it, yeah, it's there, whatever. But I mean, I just scrolled through this and yes, of course, it's clickbaity and the writing shit on it. But uh, look at these maps and your brain will start to hurt. I, I hate you for putting this in here. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I, I I spent a lot of time looking at this yesterday, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> right? That's it. It's, <laughs> we do not live. In, we live in the Matrix. We do not live in the world that we think we live in. We do not. We just do not. <laughs> oh, I, I still say that everything changed with the Berenstain Bears. I tell you, something went wrong. Uh, but the, the best headline of the week award goes to <laughs> this one at futurism.com. Scientists intrigue by strange, strange blobs on Uranus. I know it's pronounced <laughs> Uranus, but come on, it's Uranus. And the subtitle is the blobs are mushy and filled with gas. They usually are. <laughs> yes. Futurism.com. You win this week in headlines. Security. Ha! Dave Bittner is with us today. Dave is the host of the Cyberwire podcast, co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy and surveillance and privacy. And finally, he's the co-host of Recorded Future, where he takes you inside the world of cyber threat intelligence. And Dave, I learned a lot about you this week on your uh, uh, your show. You did an interview show. <laughs> yeah, we have a show called Career Notes, which is a short little interview show that we run. And uh, they turned the microphones on me this week bastards yeah. <laughs> yeah. because you weren't on enough weird. shows <laughs> right exactly exactly yeah it was a little strange uh my colleague rick howard um did the questioning and it, this is one of those shows where you don't hear any of the questions so um i typically do the interviewing for this show but of course that wouldn't work for myself although maybe it would i don't it know probably would yes yeah. uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you certainly wouldn't need editorial approval <laughs> Right. This is Dave Bittner but, uh, with Dave Bittner. Yeah. To Rick, to Rick's credit, he came at me with with a lot of unexpected questions, and I think it yielded a lot of interesting answers. And uh, of course, the editorial team stitched it all together and made it sound like something coherent. So I'm happy it, it, for it that. It basically shit NPR. It just oozed <laughs> NPR. Right, right. And then I, then I went, then I went in my head, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, behind the actor studio or, or no, inside mm. the actor studio. And yep. then I went to, you know, VH1's behind the music. And then I'm thinking in just some strange, random, you know, just crazy dream that I was having. I'm like, Man, we should have made a show called A Hand in My Ass and Other Stories from the Muppets <laughs> side of the things. It's like, you know, there's just bit players, bit Muppets that you only see once or twice in a show. The guy that throws and the it's fish. their stories. Yeah, New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course he knew his name. 
course. Of course. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, not even a pause, not a, oh, yeah, what was that guy's name? Nope, right uh, there. New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yeah. maybe that's uh, something we should do is we should, we should, we should make that sometime. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I know, I know yeah. some people that know some Muppets, so I can probably get us in. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, my friend Gigi did uh, the, um, oh, what was it called? Uh, Jim Henson's Creature Shop. She hosted that. Oh, yeah. Oh, with, wow. Uh, with Brian Henson. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've, told this, I've told the this, this story about how Brian Henson hates me on this show before, so I'll skip that one. Right. We and, might be uh, able Brian to Henson, it. Brian Henson was married to the gal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? That uh, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, yes. I think so. Yeah, mm. I think so. So... Tip of the hat to Brian Henson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just know he shops at Barney's and he thinks I can't afford his pants. Uh, no, anyway. He's probably right. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's actually not, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I do have to say that I started watching Only Murders in the Building based on your recommendation, Dave. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like the show. But <laughs> okay, fair enough. But but I have to say, this is Martin Short's best performance I've ever seen. I actually, he's my favorite character in the show. After everything we said last week, Martin Short is my favorite character in the show. I hate Steve Go Martin on. in this. Oh, I think really? he's I think he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I've, I've only watched two episodes, but I think I think he humanizes the whole thing, and it's very funny. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> like Martin Short in this. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I have to say, you know, I am a huge Steve Martin fan and have been from the very beginning, you know, the wild and crazy guy days. Yeah, um, I, I I think of the things he does, uh, his acting is not at the top of my list of things that I enjoy from him. Yes. I think he's fine, but I think the problem I have with Steve Martin is that I, I can see him working, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, um, it feels forced. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, so, and, and I've and I that's just been part of his work, I think, for many of his films. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it was so much in The Jerk because The Jerk was so such a broad character. Um, but you think about really good movies like uh, Parenthood that he's in, mm, and I yes. think the same thing applies. Where he's, I enjoy his performance, but I can see him working, and that takes me out of it just a little bit. <laughs> Daddy, what's a rack? A country. <laughs> <laughs> hubba, hubba. Uh, no but it's uh and i think selena gomez is good in it too i just don't like the story so much i'm only on episode two i'm gonna i'm gonna power through a little bit more of it but yeah well make sure you get it... to the episode with sting and see if that wins you yeah over. that's, <laughs> that's what funny. i'm looking forward to i've got uh <laughs> i had to go see my friend sven because uh as we will discuss in or as we've already discussed <laughs> Sorry, the continuum eludes me today in uh, apps uh, and doodads. Uh, Spotify fucked me because uh, they don't give you Hulu anymore for free. So, oh, okay, yeah. So I, I now I have three months of Spotify and no Hulu. So I had to go see my my secret friend Sven <laughs> and uh, ah, yes. get the get the episodes. But uh, fair enough. Yeah, it seems like it's doing well. People are people are people digging like it. it. It's the buzzy show right now. Yeah, I, think I, so. I, I do yeah. have to say in episode one, the cop. The that uh, black chick cop was really yeah. funny. It's like, oh, you yeah. fucking true crime people, get out of my yeah. hallway. <laughs> yeah, she comes was... up again later in the run, so okay. uh, you get to enjoy some more from her. Yeah, she's quite good. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's bring it back to Star Wars, shall we? Because there is some new Star Wars that has been. Uh, <laughs> let's let's the, bring the security segment back to Star Wars. Yes, please. exactly. Right. Where, Where it belongs. belongs. Yes. yes. <laughs> the, the, the Disney gods have seen fit to bestow us with some more Star Wars. This is called Star Wars Visions. Uh, they went around to some of the top anime studios in the world and said, have at it. And uh, the nice thing about it is they basically said, just do whatever you want. It doesn't have to fit in with our bullshit canon that we've established. And boy, did they. I don't know if you've watched any of these, Dave. I'm not really a big anime fan. I know, you know, I should be given I'm a nerd and everything else I like. Mm-hmm. Never got into anime. I did enjoy these, but because it was Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I'd say I'm in the same category. Uh, most of what I know about anime comes from growing up watching Speed Racer, and uh, which, I, yeah. which I'm sure there, there <laughs> yeah, are listeners who really. just spit out their coffee. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but my tourist. actually my youngest um, my youngest son Jack uh, enjoys anime, so we've been watching some of those movies together, and I've been enjoying them very much. Um, so uh, we started watching these, and I watched the first one, and I thought it was quite good. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching some more of them. I like this sort of thing. I, I like that it, it, I like that, um, you know, Lucasfilm was always really loose with letting people have fun with the characters and not cracking down on fan films and things like that. And I think Mm -hmm. there was a lot of concern when Disney bought Lucasfilm that, well, that's going to change. And, and it so did. far, <laughs> in some ways it did, but I, I, so far, I mean, but this I think shows the other side of that, that um, maybe with things like The Mandalorian and, and having some folks on board the Star Wars side of things who come at it from the fans' point of view, mm-hmm. which uh, is my polite way of saying not George Lucas's point of view, um, <laughs> I think we get stuff like this, and I think they're fun and intriguing. They don't always work, and no. like I said, I've only watched one of them, but I, I like that these are out there, and um, I'm enjoying I've finished the series. I'd say they batted 500, which, you know, okay. not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. That's, do you guys remember when The Matrix did this as well? Yes. No. Yes. Yeah, no. they they yeah they put out a bunch of uh, Matrix side stories. Uh, some were uh, some were animated, it, it, all different animation styles. Were they? I, I I thought there was one live action in there, but um, I thought that they batted about five hundred on that one as well. And some of them, one of the side stories actually made it into the last movie, right. so that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I, I I might actually check this one out. It's uh, yeah, I really enjoyed some of them. Some of them, you know, not so much. But uh, it it was intriguing to just have something so removed from canon, and obviously so. And you know, it was just uh, some really interesting takes on on Star Wars lore. So good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, Dave, you and I got into a little uh, Twitter chat this week about uh, how file systems work. Yes, we did. I wanted to bring it back home because, of course, uh, of course, you do. Uh, well, yeah, actually, because one of the people on Twitter said, "Well, we don't actually read Twitter, so you should do yeah. it on the show anyway." Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Save okay. it for the show. Um, and I, basically, they're saying that uh, professors are having to rethink how they teach kids nowadays because people don't understand how file systems work. And yeah. you had a a point of view that I thought was um, frustrating and maddening. I will say, 
This is why um, I stayed out of it. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Diplomacy is in the building. Go ahead. Uh, you said, well, get with the times, people. We got search and we got meta tags and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, it's really good to know how your tools work if it is the most important tool in your life. And you just said, no, search metadata. <laughs> Blah blah. So, would you like yeah, to? Would you that, like to? Uh, would you like to? That, uh, of course, shore up your that position. Of course is a that of course is a perfect and, and completely accurate description of how I came <laughs> at the problem. Jason um, does like to couch other people's arguments in a very favorable light towards Jason. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know, so, I, I I used to hang out with Marines, and they say never start a fight that's fair. So let's okay. go. What do you got? Yeah. So I, I'm coming at this from the point of view that. I guess the the top level argument that I'm trying to make here is that it's important that we not come at new tools in old ways. Oh, but how can you have a top level if you don't have a file system, Dave? Oh, my God, Brian. Exactly. So, you well, let's go there. So, (laughs) So... I'm not I'm not against file systems, but what I'm saying is that if you came up uh, and you were using, for example, iOS as your primary uh, electronic device, and that's how you that's how you consider computers to work, then um, it's going to make sense that you're not really hip to a file system. But there is an uh, app called Files. In iOS, that does very have recently. A <clears throat> tree, very recently, yes, okay. very recently. See now, and I like to I like to thread the needle between you guys because there is photos, which one can argue is also a file system. However, they are moving away from that, and there are many different ways that you can access your photos now that don't follow a traditional file system structure. Yes, there are right. many ways you can't find your photos either. But I digress. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think so. Part of this, I think, follows along with. The switch that happened for a lot of us and, and those of us who are older old timers, those of us who are grumpy old geeks, um, went kicking and screaming into this new era of not carefully curating your own music collection. Yep. Right? That was painful. Um, yeah, it was very painful. And I think this is along those same lines where what – so a file system is essentially a lot of structured metadata. Right? No, mm-hmm. file system is a tree. You start at the top and you have branches going. It's an inverted tree, basically, if you want to think of it that way. But so the you... descriptors are metadata. I mean, you say to a file, what, is, what do we know about this file? This file is in this folder. That's metadata. Where is this folder? This folder is in this folder. That's metadata. This folder is in this directory. I, I think it's also interesting to point out that why do we call them folders? Uh. I think that was I actually I don't know the history of folders versus directories because when I grew up it was DOS and it was right exactly well that, that's what I'm getting to is that I would call them folders because in graphical user interfaces they look like folders so that'd probably They're be not, Windows three one that started that uh, or the Mac OS yeah yeah. I, 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 yeah somebody somebody will research this and yell at us I'm sure ad nauseum on Discord so. right. But well, again, so trying to get back to the big picture that yes. um, this is all layers of abstraction, right? Mm-hmm. They're not actually folders. They're, it's, it's things being described as certain ways. It's different types of metadata being assigned to different files. Um, and then it's being presented to us in a way that makes it easier for us, the slow meat bags, to understand. 
none of this is right. real. We're in the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there is a bee tree. There is there is no spoon, but there is a bee tree. <laughs> so, yeah. But what I'm getting at is that um, <clears throat> I think there could come a point where the a a search based system could be superior to or supplemental to supplemental uh, a directory yes. a but directory. i think what so dave's arg- have- dave's argument here and the way the, the way to solve the discord between the two of you right now is i think dave is saying at some point in the future for people who are not professionals who don't do computery stuff for a living there could be something that easily supplants file systems and the, and they can do everything that they need to do in their lives and live their lives and use their devices without ever understanding what a file system is now people who actually are building the software upon which these people are using this new format that is evolving will still need to understand how file systems work but it's going to become more niche like it was before back when nobody understood computers at all and we were geeks who understood how all this stuff works i think we're heading back to that point again so what you're saying is Dave believes in Uber because kids can drive somewhere without having to get a driver's license, but the the power users will still get a driver's license and drive themselves everywhere? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to clarify. Yeah. But I, I would also <laughs> extend what I agree with Brian, and um, I will also say that I could see a time coming when the file system is abstracted to the power users as well, where they don't need to worry about it anymore. God, yeah. I hope I'm dead by then. You will yeah, be. We probably will be. Yes, that's good. <laughs> that's good. The, I just, the, I, the, the rate, there's another. The rate you're going now. Count on it. Oh yes, no <laughs> shit. Uh, see, the thing is, I was about to make a joke and put a timeline on that, but I've listened to this show before, and I know that so when we do that, it actually sometimes comes true. So uh, I'm going yeah. to say in 2079, <laughs> when the file system goes away. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, we have smart folders already, right? So those mm-hmm. are auto-searching folders on your computer. But I think if the fact that we can go to our systems now and they're generating their own metadata. So you can say, you know, show me all of my photos that were taken during the day at the beach uh, on the West Coast and in which there is a cocker spaniel. And the computer will come back and show me those. Is it perfect mm-hmm. every time? No. But it's a lot more uh, effective a search than trying to go through a directory structure to find that the kind date of stuff. that you remember being at the beach. Yeah, right. yes, right. and uh, this works great for white people, but you know, how does that work if you're black? <laughs> you know, not so good. Well, yet. that's yes, a, but that's yeah. I mean, that's a different issue, and of course, a serious one. But um, but yeah, well, see, I don't think that has anything to do with uh, yeah, file structures. And we stuff. were talking about libraries and librarians. You brought up, you know, I'm like, okay, I even though. I can go ask the librarian. It's really good for me to know the Dewey Decimal System in case she doesn't show up that day and I can still find my book. And, right. you know, your, the, the, the search method is like, okay, so basically instead of having everything organized, you have a pile of books and you are basically, you know, dependent upon this librarian coming in who may have been drunk the night before and, and uh, asking her to find the book that is this one specific page in a book that you're looking for that she might or might not be able to find, even though it's there, 
she might not find it, but you're you have now given up your agency to the librarian. Whereas in the old days, you could just go find it yourself. You know, it's, yes. I'm not sure if and you've been I to a library point, recently, made, Jason, but I, I go I made, basically <laughs> weekly now, and uh, they have little computers where I use search to find the books, and then they tell me where they are. Well, the search yeah. is the same <laughs> thing as the drunken librarian. I'm sorry, Brian, I didn't make the, the metaphor. No, no, but clear. I made the counter argument that the librarian uh, has a ton of. Of metadata. So because there's a librarian there, you can go to the librarian and say, listen, I'm interested in this book about dinosaurs. It's the tall one with the red spine and it had really funky type on the spine. I don't know anything more about that. And the librarian can go, ah, yes, I know exactly the one you're ah. talking about. So in yeah, this case, you don't get Dave, that from the card catalog. Dave's librarian See, is the newfangled search engine. Yes. Right. I, here's right. the thing. I don't see these as mutually exclusive options. I'm just saying that it would be better if everybody knew the Dewey Decimal System. And just 10 minutes ago, I made the argument that it's going to be a hybrid between both of what you guys are saying. <laughs> yeah, well, I made the argument last week, so fuck off. <laughs> That's well, the same you, thing. Well, you're the one that brought uh, yeah. it back up. Of course I did, because I want to hear, I I hear think... how Dave said it. I think it's good to be able to fall back on, but I believe that, and, and this is... Having come up the way the three of us did through the history of accessible computing, you know, 8-bit computers and beyond, um, I think it's not necessarily a reflexive impulse for us to think that hiding this stuff from users is better. But when I see the success that normal people have with things like iPads, I think it is. I think there's a lot of stuff under the hood that the vast majority of people don't have to see. And indeed, if it's hidden from them, their computing experience will be better. Does that mean we do away with the stuff and, and don't allow the power users access to it? No, I think that should be an option. But I think for most people, um, having it sort of hidden, at, protecting them from that complexity, I think leads to better outcomes. See, I, I come from a standpoint where I live with someone who is who I've known for 20 years. She has no idea how a file system works. And I'm the one that has to come in when she can't find anything that is, right. you know, 17 layers deep. Because, you know, one of these people who will take something, download it in Chrome, open it, and then like copy it to the desktop. So now she knows where it's at. And you've seen people like this. You've seen their desktops. Yep. Nothing is nothing is, you know, findable. And then she'll take five minutes to find it on the desktop with all thirty four thousand files because she never throws anything away. And there's duplicates everywhere. And this comes down from a lack of understanding of how the file system works. And even though you try and teach people how the file system works, they don't want to listen. So I still see that there are so many flaws in the system as it is. That's what just gets my goat and just says, ah, I want people to know how this basic stuff works because computers are the most important tool that all of us use every day. Even though we don't make money on it, it is still the most important tool. And I think basic knowledge should be key. Yeah. And I'm saying that in addition to that, if the operating system can look at that file that she placed on the desktop, analyze it, make a bunch of conclusions about it, that will really help her when it comes time for her to find that file. Because which is usually 30 say, seconds after she needs, like, and she drags, it's 30 seconds. Okay, we're both making anyway, the same yes. points now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've got a story. The Lithuanian Defense Ministry urges people oh to throw God. away their phones after listening to this fucking segment on the podcast. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, after discovering censorship tools, this came from Vincent, who said he's basically switched over to Apple now because uh, he's sick of all this kind of stuff happening. Uh, according to an analyst uh, by from Lithuania, the Chinese company's flagship devices sold in Europe have a built-in ability to detect and censor particular items. Phrases include, oh, this is one of those smart operating systems, Dave. They didn't even have to put these words in folders. <laughs> these well, phrases included demonstration, that. free Tibet, long live Taiwan independence, and church, according to the authorities. So they're saying hmm. this is turned off for devices in the European Union, but they are still in there and could be turned on remotely, which is pretty crazy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I wouldn't buy one of these phones. I wouldn't. No. And I, I would... I, but I, but they're. It's interesting. I, Although I'll I wonder, take a phone that have, bans church. Do we have that's these just I'm atheist. in the U.S.? Can you buy a uh, one of these phones here or not? I'm not sure. I don't because I, I remember there were a few brands a few years back where there were some issues with this sort of thing and they were yanked from the market. But yeah, I'm not and sure I mean, this these. is the underlying sort of stuff that was behind. Uh, Yahweh and all that sort of stuff too, right? We didn't want them uh, giving us bits for our infrastructure for 5G because we didn't know what was in the chips. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what this is. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, we got another note in this morning. Uh, Vincent's from Ireland, I believe, because he's always... Yes. <laughs> he loves his Irish whiskey. He does before yeah. he writes us. <laughs> yes. And we got another note from William from Ireland as well, who uh, has decided to give up Android and move to Apple also, hmm. so um, he's had he's had some issues. He's the tech support for his large Catholic family, he says, <laughs> which I, I feel mm -hmm. for you, brother. Um, uh, and he says, since I'm a I'm the techie person and an Irish Catholic family, all seven of them, too. Any advice for a newly minted Apple adventurer? So do you guys have any advice for William? Um, uh, they're pretty easy. Let go and give into the ecosystem. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It uh, it all yeah. works pretty well. There's not much you're going to have to do. Um, you know, Google some of those like uh, ten things to do as soon as you get an iPhone articles because they're usually pretty good about uh, just some basic settings. But uh, man, these things just work, man. They really uh, just yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it. take take that time wor or not worrying about uh, ransomware anymore and go uh, have a pint because you don't have to, <laughs> right. you don't really have to worry about that anymore. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, it is good. Uh, speaking of Apple, I thought we'd uh, wrap up things today. There's an article from Vice. Um, there was uh, the researcher about a week ago. His name is Haber, or that's his hacker name that he goes by. Mm -hmm. And he was very frustrated that he had shared three zero days with Apple, and Apple had not fixed them in the most recent versions of the OS and had not satisfactorily responded to his requests and inquiries about these zero days. So he published them responsibly, mm -hmm. uh, which means you know, he gave Apple plenty of time to do what they needed to do. He warned Apple that if you don't answer me to my satisfaction, I'm going to publish these. And so he did. And that's the right way to do it. Um, got a lot of PR about it. And since then, Apple has responded and they have apologized uh, for their lack of response to his bug bounty or his bug program disclosures. Hopefully, obviously, these will get fixed. But hopefully also this guy will get uh, a good payout from Apple who does not necessarily have a good reputation for great payouts when it comes to right. bug bounties. Is this a guy we it's talked about last week that posted to GitHub? Yep. That's it. Okay. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. good. So it's sort of it's, it's follow up on that that uh, Apple. I, I you know because I would have put even odds whether or not we'd hear hear anything from Apple on this at all. Mm-hmm. So interesting that they're bowing to public pressure a little bit and saying we're sorry. We should we could do a better job and we hope to do so in the future. There's a lot Please of that going through. around with Apple nowadays, isn't there? Well, I'm I'm thinking that this is just such a strange new world for all of these companies to be in when you've got uh okay, let's let's be honest. We we've, we've all known people that are probably like Haber. Um they're not the most normal people that that go and delve delve so deeply into these things and find all these vulnerabilities and all that sort of stuff. And as a corporation, you now how have to kind of appease these people because you don't want them getting pissed off at you and making and, and and turning their full powers towards investigating you and your stuff and finding things right mm-hmm. so you're walking this tight rope of like we appreciate that you found this we want to you know reward you for this so we can fix it but we also really don't want to piss any of you off <laughs> Right. Well, and I think it's important to recognize that this is a market response in that there is a market for these zero days outside of Apple. There are plenty of other folks, bad guys, nation states, uh, uh, spy organizations who would love yep. to spend good money on these zero days. And there are people out there that that is their living. They search for these things, they find them, and they sell them. And they do quite well for themselves. Mm-hmm. So part of the reason why you have a bug bounty program is to be able to have an alternative to allow these people to still profit but do it in a way that's for good. And Apple, who has all the money... Um, <laughs> yes, they have no shame excuses here. Yeah, there's a shame they're not doing better with this. I, I, I think it – I suspect that it, it is just a result of Apple's sort of insular culture that they don't like to admit that people outside the mothership <laughs> could know anything more than they could and you know, all of those kinds of things. That, yeah, is it like that, arrogance uh, on their, their coders? Yeah. Like, you know, our shit don't stink? I think it's partly that, but I think it's deeper than that. I, I, I really, you know, they just they they're lousy at communicating. As well, back in you know my my video day, my pro video days, it was just really frustrating. As much as I loved using Final Cut Pro, it was frustrating that you just couldn't get any information out of Apple for. Do you even acknowledge that there's a bug here? What what is your timeline for updates for right. new versions for any of that kind of stuff? And maybe that works on a consumer-based device, but when you're a pro and you're using pro tools and – well, literally pro tools, um, <laughs> uh, you need to know this kind of thing. And it was very frustrating that, that, that Apple was this way. A- every now and then you'd see a little bit of – like somebody at Apple would convince somebody that maybe we should try this a different way and it would get clamped down on really fast. So I don't know. I, I yeah. wish they could do better, and it just seems like if they would, it would be better for everybody. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a lively discussion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to go play with some puppets, so uh, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go right. put things in folders. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. Jason, why don't you go take a trip to the library? I will. <laughs> I want to meet this drunk librarian. <laughs> Always had a thing for. <laughs> Closing shout outs. Hey, Brian, last week we mentioned that we are probably going fully fan supported. And mm-hmm. uh, I have to say, the fans stepped up. 
This yeah. has been a, this has been a very good week for us. I hope it sticks because <laughs> if this is an anomaly, we're fucked. And uh, yeah, but uh, since it's hopefully it's not. But uh, we want to start off with thanking everybody at Patreon for upping their pledges, and also Gregory JW and Ian C as new Patreon supporters. Yes, and Mark, Matthew, Daniel, Ian, Thomas, and Charlie over at PayPal, and then the big gun donations at PayPal from Simon, Jason, and Stephen. Thank you guys so much. And Stephen said, "Thanks, guys. It's been great having the show." during the pandemic attempted government coup god did that really just happen a year ago uh yeah. texas grid failure what <laughs> snowmageddon snowmageddon yep hmm. interesting times yep yep and over at stripe we've got in the ten dollar club we've got gadiel v michael z kyle d brian g and 20 buck club we've got christian von b bonnie k and uh, alden r dropped a 30 dollar donation and scott a wins with the 50 dollar donation and also i would like to point out that simon and jason did drop 50 on paypal and steven gave us a cool hundy thank you very much and uh, we got a sub from adam d for 10 bucks and a new five dollar sub from daryl w and jennifer c with the five dollar sub we love those subs Keep Keep them coming. Seriously, this is like, I can't, I can't tell you how much we appreciate this because this is what's going to keep the show going. That's true. And uh, you guys were so busy giving us money that nobody reviewed us on iTunes. Fuck iTunes. We'll take the <laughs> money. Your money. Take the money. <laughs> and uh, a, a heartfelt shout out to our friend uh, MXV who had a fucking heart attack this weekend. Yeah. Um, 51. Had a damn heart attack. So uh, I, I've been talking to him, and he's going home today. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's good news. Good news, bad news. But, uh, yeah, talk about a fucking scare. Take care of yourself, people. So stay healthy, stay safe, and until next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schillmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. If you enjoy the show, visit GOG.show slash donate to help us keep the lights on, and we'll love you forever. You can also help us out by sharing the show with your friends and enemies. It's easy and absolutely free. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 524. From there, you can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as links to our swag and our Discord channel, and if you want to buy some stuff or chat with us and other show fans. You can head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash review and toss us a snarky review and preferably five stars. Stay R. Kelly. Oh, that man, you stepped on, you stepped on my joke.